The Medical College of Wisconsin Office of Student Health and Wellness presents Well, 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 where each episode a very special guest and I discuss what it means to be well in the world of health science education. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Well, Well, Well. I'm really excited about our special guest for this episode. Her name is Chandler McLarath. She's a third-year student in the biochemistry department, and she has some special interest in wellness amongst scientists and graduate students. She organized and presented a Spotlight on Science event, specifically about shame, stigma, and work-life balance as a scientist. And then she actually does have another Spotlight on Science event coming up on September 27th from noon to one that she'll speak a little bit more about in this interview. So we just chat more about this idea of stigma around mental and emotional health for scientists and finding that work-life balance as a graduate student. I hope you enjoy. So first, Chandler, I always like to start off asking our guests, what's one way that you've been promoting your wellness or taking care of yourself recently? Well, actually, my favorite way to take care of myself, particularly in the summertime, is to play softball. I have played softball every summer since I could basically walk. Um, My dad coached me for almost 15 years. And being able to play softball with my coworkers right now, I play on a team through MCW that's uh, combined the microbiology and the biochemistry department. And we play in an MCW-wide league every Friday night. And so it gives me, especially post-COVID, an opportunity to have those organic, casual interactions with people in my science community. Um, But also when things in lab are going wrong, softball really gives me a way to remind myself that this is something I love outside of science and this is something that I'm good at. Yes. I love that. Like that idea of just like affirming values all around, right? Like when we're having a particularly difficult time in one identity or one role that we have or one area of value like education, being able to turn to something else that you're, you're good at or just appreciate or value and to remind yourself that there's so many facets to who you are and things that matter. That's yeah. really awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious too, like more logistically. So were did you have a hand in getting this specific league set up? Was it something that already existed that you just dropped into? Did it take some advocacy on your part? Um, actually, no. So this league's existed longer than I've been an MCW student. Uh-huh. Um, but the only reason I knew about it was because I was asked to sub when I was a spur student, a summer undergraduate student um, wow. in 2017. And All of a sudden, I was like, oh my gosh, I have never been in a social environment where I can talk about biochemistry and baseball to the same people in the same sentence. (laughs) That's amazing. Two worlds colliding. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, wow, I really belong here. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Right? (laughs) Yeah. And so then whenever, when I came back as a grad student, I was like, is this still a thing? And they're like, oh yeah, definitely come please play with us. And so now I'm assistant manager. So. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah. And it's, it's such a neat concept too, that it does. It is these, because you certainly could have found just a softball league outside of MCW outside of science. But the fact that you brought those two worlds together is so cool. Like what a cool opportunity, you know, I love that. Yeah. And I feel like some, some people wouldn't necessarily schedule their entire social calendar around 
rec league softball, but I certainly do because it just makes me so happy. Ugh. Thanks for sharing. That's awesome. Um, so I know our, our topic for this is, um, stigma specifically amongst grad students and scientists when it comes to mental and emotional wellness and taking care of yourself and making the time to take care of yourself as well as that striking that work-life balance so when you're working in the lab how you find that balance um so my first kind of question for you is just what are some of the negative beliefs about mental health that you have have found more specifically in science or amongst graduate students the biggest thing that I notice, and I, will, I can't stress this enough, this is not an MCW specific. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. want to sound, you know, it, it, it's not a specific thing to that. It's just the science and research culture in general, I think. Um, I have friends at other institutions that can attest to those kinds of things. But um, there's this major assumption that being depressed is just a part of graduate school. Mm. That, oh, you know, you're signing up for your mental health to be crappy for X number of years. And that's not fair. Right. Um, so it's just the, the belief that it will be there and you just sort of deal. Yep. That that's a part of it. And it's what you signed up for. And no one signs up to feel anxious. No one signs up to be depressed. That is in no way should that ever be a required or necessary part of anyone's job or education. It's just not how it needs to work. Absolutely. And then I think that certainly just keeps things stagnant, right? That belief that, well, um, as they say, like, it's the nature of the beast, right? And when we get into that sort of like... um complacent space where we just say this is how it is then it leaves very little room for change and progress and all these things that we know are probably actually possible (laughs) right yes Yes. Um, things can be better in most spaces yep so yeah anything else that you can think of as far as like um beliefs around mental health or maybe like uh seeking mental health support and what some, some of the negative beliefs around seeking out the support, what barriers there might be? I think the biggest barrier for grad students to get anything done is time. Mm-hmm. Science demands so much of us physically and mentally. Like, I, you know, people come in for 10 and 12 hour time points for things and cells need to split on the weekends. You know, cells don't really care what day of the week it is and things like that. Um, and so finding to take care of the cells in your own body is an entirely separate thing and it can get it can be really easy to let the graduate school graduate student facet of yourself consume all the other facets like we were talking about before um so i would say that time is the biggest barrier however that has been one benefit of the pandemic is that Mm -hmm. maintaining the option to have virtual therapy appointments has been a game changer for a lot of people you know, you yes. step out, you step out of lab for a half hour, 45 minutes, have your appointment and immediately walk back. There's no drive time. People don't even realize that you're gone. You don't have to make a big deal out of taking time off or anything like that. And keeping that level of accessibility, I think, is going to be critical. Yeah, I agree. I've even 
you know, myself working in student services, I envision even once I return to the, you know, primarily to the office, I envision myself still having virtual appointments sitting in my office, yes. right? Because we understand the convenience factor that it's given us. And um, although there will certainly be students who still prefer that in person, and I will be there for that, I imagine that there's still that virtual platform will still be heavily utilized. And it yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And to think that we had that technology for so many years pre-COVID right. and did not utilize it in that way. Yes, it is pretty shocking. I know. I'm excited about it, though. I'm excited about this sort of new hybrid world and um, just how the, the opportunities are sort of endless. I know. agree. So on a more positive note, then, how have you seen students, staff, faculty sort of like working against this stigma? So I actually held a spotlight on science event with Dr. Ahamantu Agrawal. Um, he's a professor of psychiatry in the medical school um, in April. And spotlight on science is run through the postdoc office. Mm-hmm. And usually people, I mean, it's only been in Zoom format for the past year or so, obviously. But usually attendance is around 50 people-ish. Um, and we had over 120 people in attendance for our work-life balance and um, stigma for scientists' Amazing. presentation. Yes. And to see that much enthusiasm as a community, I loved that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially on a virtual platform, you know? Like, it, we all, none of us want to go to a Zoom meeting that we don't have to go to. And the fact that we doubled average attendance was... I was very humbled. I was very happy to see so many people that are passionate about acknowledging these issues. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think, right, just reiterates how important this stuff is, right, to everybody involved from, again, student, staff, faculty, um, how important it is, how much people want to find that balance and any more information, I think, or conversation they can have around it is so valuable. Definitely. Absolutely. With the idea of Zoom fatigue, many of us are experiencing Zoom fatigue and going to these sort of optional, you know, presentations is becoming less and less appealing. And so to see that sort of attendance just speaks to what an important topic it is. So yeah, definitely. obviously the interest is there and you all are open to continuing this conversation and. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I'm actually hosting Another event at the end of September, uh, it's a panel event where uh, postdocs and faculty and a graduate student, uh, myself, actually will be sharing their journeys through mental health um, and then how accessing resources through MCW actually was helpful. So I'm looking forward to that. That will also be a Zoom event through Spotlight on Science, um, September 27th, I believe, from noon to 1 p.m. Awesome. Yeah. And everyone, you know, all the listeners, stay tuned. I'm sure you'll be receiving communications on that and emails and invites and um, more information about it, how to register and everything. But really exciting event. That's so cool to just keep that conversation going. And we've heard so many times that like the, the concept of like a testimonial and people sharing their vulnerability, especially when you consider faculty or those people that with, you know, that you have so much respect for or that might hold some authority to, to see people vulnerable and share their own stories is so powerful. I agree. I agree. And to, to show that MCW really has quite a few resources for all of us to utilize and that it really does make a difference, even if it's 
intimidating or, you know, you're uncertain about accessing them initially, it really does make a difference. Right. So kind of moving on then to this, the work-life balance, which I think, I mean, this, the challenge of work-life balance exists in so many areas, um, different fields, especially now I'd say with the pandemic, right. And people working remotely, there are definitely flexibilities and perks to it, but also work and life, the lines might be a bit blurred for people. And I know Chandler, you and I have talked a little bit about the idea that we so often talk about personal relationship boundaries, right? Like setting boundaries in your amongst family members, friends, significant others, um, in that personal development world. Um, but it seems the conversation around setting professional boundaries within education or work has very specific barriers. Um, so what are your thoughts on that? Like, what are the specific barriers to effectively setting professional boundaries or the boundaries with your lab work or as a student power differential yeah for sure Mm -hmm. I mean it's much it's much it's very different having to set a boundary with a friend where you feel like you both have you play equal roles and equal parts in a two-way road and a two-way friendship but as soon as that crosses over into a professional boundary you know someone is usually the boss whether that is formal or not right and so that complicates things if you want to draw boundaries if you are the person who is not the boss right if you are the person who is the boss how do you set boundaries that don't preclude you from doing your job (laughs) Mm -hmm. um and so it that that challenge goes both ways and um that attests to the, the challenges of the PI graduate student relationship, for sure. Sure. Um, we're all really busy, and but we also all have lives outside of science. And trying to meet the high expectations of being a graduate student while also trying to maintain the other aspects of yourself in the process is indeed a challenge. Right. So yeah, how do you set boundaries with someone who is, whether it's formally or informally, evaluating you though, right? Like, um, and uh, certainly is, like you said, the power differential if they are, you know, the boss, quote unquote, sort of in control of your position to an extent. Right. And And you don't, you don't, you don't want to be perceived as willful and you don't want your boundaries to be unreasonable. You still want to maintain a certain level of work ethic and I you know boundaries and work ethic can those lines can get blurry to some people too and when they really can be maintained as two separate things you can be a very hard worker but also set work-life boundaries mm-hmm. right and I, I recall because I attended um, the spotlight on science series that you had in April with Dr. Agrawal and I remember someone sharing their experience of enjoying reading some of the journals or some of that, you know, work that can easily be done at home and spending weekends doing some of that work because they really enjoyed it. So understanding that everyone's different too, right. In, in, in what they see as um, a a way to relax for lack of a better term, right. Oh yeah. The, the boundary that we, we all draw for ourselves could be so, so different than the next person. Right. It's being respectful of everyone's boundaries. You know, no one should feel like, oh, my God, I remember this one. And it was a faculty member who said, Mm -hmm. you know, I really feel like I really love reading papers on the weekends. And 
I don't even know if I should say this right now. And I said, there, there, that's the shame that we're talking about, though. Right. Is that you feel like you can't even say that, even though it's something that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Respecting where we all have different values and respecting where people are at with that. And if that's reading journals on the weekends, great. <laughs> and, if it, and if it's not, also great. Yes. Every, the, both of those people are good scientists. Mm-hmm. Love that. So what has been your experience finding the balance? Oh, well, pandemic has made that interesting for me um, because I formally joined my dissertation lab in February of 2020, about 30 days before the world fell apart. So, (laughs) yes. Perfect. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) Looking back on that, I'm like, whoa, February 2020 was such a different planet. Um, But the pandemic really made me, I think it accelerated a lot of personal growth for me. I think that I would have worked myself to the bone a lot longer before I started to draw boundaries if the pandemic hadn't happened. Because when I was, you know, last summer, when labs were starting to open up again, but nothing else was open, vaccines weren't available to anybody yet, I only went back and forth from my two-bedroom apartment to lab and back home again. That was it. I was pretty anxious about covid I didn't really want to go anywhere. My boyfriend did all the grocery shopping. I didn't even want to go there. So literally the only two indoor spaces I existed in for about three or four months was just my apartment. Right. Right. And so how are you supposed to have a work-life balance when life is paused? Yes. Yeah. I think the pandemic has just, like you said, it might accelerate the process of finding those boundaries and, you know, kind of pushing you into that decision-making and development, but at the same time, what a challenge. Yeah. I mean, and for a while I felt like, you know, it's like, okay, um, I do like native American style loom beading. So I was doing a lot of beading. I was doing a lot of painting, but I felt like all of my solo hobbies had kind of been exhausted and I wanted to play softball and you know go hiking with a friend Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I wanted to be more social and so now that I'm I'm vaccinated and you know things are slowly starting to open up again I'm starting to be able to draw boundaries be like yep okay um, I didn't get to do this last year I now know what my life feels like when I don't allow enough life into it and so I am I am not working to, I'm, well, I don't know how to phrase that work to live and living to work, but you know what I mean? Right. Right. <laughs> yes, I do. I do. Yeah. Um, and it just makes me think about, you know, we, in, in 2021, we recognize wellness as like the dimensions right now, depending on the Google search, it'll be six dimensions or eight dimensions or 10 dimensions. So the jury's still out, but we know that it's holistic, right? There's all these different dimensions of our life that contribute to our overall wellness. And one of those is social wellness. Just thinking about the pandemic and how, you know, if you had to rate it on one to 10 scale, I think for most of us, social wellness was one, two, you know, depending on if you were living with people Mm -hmm. um, and just what an impact that had, and then also returning back into the world, you know, outside world, whatever that is for you, recognizing that as another transition and having its own unique challenges. 
Um, yep, yep. And I, I will say that my social wellness on the scale of, you know, one to ten, I was lucky enough that I live with my significant other and I have a wonderful cat that I adopted at the end of 2019 just by happenstance and he was my pal. You know, if I had been alone in the apartment that often with no other living beings, it definitely would have been a different story. Yeah, I hear that. My, I have a dog and two cats and I live with my husband and I, we said many times during the pandemic how lucky we were to have those um, connections because it was a very trying time. Yeah. But now you're in a place where you're able to nurture that social wellness again, some of these other dimensions of your life and things are kind of you know, coming back together. And then it sounds like the pandemic really showed you the importance of setting those boundaries and holding them. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, wow, I know what it felt like to not be able to spend time with friends in person for months on end. That was rough. And I have been known, especially during the first year of graduate school pre pandemic, this is we're talking 2019. When you know, it was studying and then I would make time for my significant other. And then the thing that would fall by the wayside was friend time. And I can't let that fall by the wayside anymore. I realize that that's a really important part of who I am is um, nurturing my friendships and spending time with my friends. And so that is something that will stay. Right. Yeah. It's very interesting how this conversation covered, obviously, the drawbacks to the pandemic, but a couple of silver linings, you know, just like, again, like the reaffirming of certain values and things that are important to us. And yep, we'll always know now to make the space for those things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Chandler, how can fellow students, if they're so, you know, inspired by this conversation or want to learn more or just want to connect with you, how can students reach you? How can Um, they find you? Yeah, so my name's Chandler McElrath. Um, my last name is not pronounced how it's spelled, so I will spell it for you because this is audio. Um, M-C-E-L-R-A-T-H. Uh, I am a, going to be a third-year graduate student in the biochemistry department. Um, you can contact me via email, um, cmcelrath at mcw.edu. Um, I, I really do encourage you to reach out to me. I really want to get to know other people who are prioritizing mental health and wellness on campus. It's really important. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Chandler. I really appreciate your wise words regarding the experience of a grad student and more so as it applies to stigma and work-life balance. I think it's such an important topic and not only applies to the grad school, obviously to the, you know, pharmacy and med school at MCW as well. So I'm hoping that students find this of as much value as I did. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. Feel free to reach out to me. Thanks for having me. Thanks.